This is the second episode of the Tan Cheng Bok podcast. Once again, we're coming from the same cozy spot where Doc will share his stories and life advice with you. If you'd like to be a part of this show, what you can do is DM him on Instagram. That's at Tan Cheng Bok. Of course, we have the email open as well. That's ask at tanchengbok.org. For now, let's move on with our mystery co-host and Doc himself. Hi, Doc. We're back for the second episode of your podcast. Hi, my online friends. I hope you enjoyed my last episode about my life as a doctor. I believe today they have something new. Let's ask them what they want me to talk about today. Yes, in the last episode, Doctor Tan shared about his experience as a doctor and why medicine is his first love. So, Doc, today could you share a little bit more about your time in Parliament as an MP? Okay, I entered Parliament in 1980. I was elected as a member of Parliament in the constituency of Ayer Rajah, and uh, I spent 26 years there. The early days when I was uh, when I became an MP there, of course, Ayer Rajah was was on, like it's quite a sleepy town. And the, the, the uniqueness about Ayer Rajah and other uh, other HDB uh, flats uh, is because the flats were built by JTC. There were a lot of differences, and I do remember there were some unique features about Teban and Pandan. And I remember the then Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew did mention to me about some special features that was incorporated in the flats in Teban and Pandan. And this special feature is the water system serving the flats are two from two different sources, one industrial water and the other one is portable water. Now the differences between these two types of water is one you drink and one you use for washing and for cleaning and for flushing your toilets. So this uniqueness actually caused some problem. Because the original aim of having this dual system was to conserve water. Yeah, I thought it was a very good principle that we have to save water. But as I said, unfortunately, the piping was not correct. For the industrial water, they use these cast iron pipes, and uh, for drinking water, of course, the usual piping system. So there was no problem. By using the cast iron pipes, has its setbacks. There was a lot of uh, Leakage, and there's and these leaks being from the industrial water, they are not very pleasant. And I remember many of the toilets were actually leaking. But after I became MP for quite a while, I did mention this to the Prime Minister, and he did help me and help the residents of this Ayer Rajah by by dismantling the whole.、Uh, Industrial water piping system. So that was the early days in Ayer Rajah, and I thought that was something that I feel very proud in being associated with、uh, cleaning up that little problem in Teban and Pandan. I'm sure the residents were very thankful for that. Were there any other ideas or policies that you advocated for in Parliament? Yes, a while ago I was talking to you about what happened at the constituency level. But at the parliamentary level, there were many issues I brought up. I think one issue that many Singaporeans are quite grateful. 
I think it is the it is free parking on Sundays and public holidays. Now, why I advocated this? You see, in the old days, when we go and visit our parents and our friends, we have to clock in the time. By way of this, the coupons. So you cannot stay too long because if you overstay, you will get fined. So that's not good for social interaction, especially family getting together. They know that they can only come to the home maybe for one hour or two hours. So now this sort of interaction is no good for the society. So I, I went to the house and uh, discussed and told them, look, we must do something. Maybe on public holidays and Sundays, we should allow better interaction among our HDB dwellers. So that's how after an experiment in Ayuraja, the whole uh, scheme was spread out to all the whole island. So I think many Singaporeans are quite happy on this free parking on Sundays and public holidays. We are very definitely very thankful for you for advocating for that because we get to spend more time with our families on Sunday without having to worry about the parking fees. Yes, yes, that's very true, that's very true. How about what you have advocated for, for CPF to pay for education? Oh yeah, that's another issue which I brought up. Because I remember during parliamentary debate, uh, we are trying to allow CPF to be used for many other purposes apart from health, and old age. And one of the areas that they were very keen to talk about was investment in stocks and shares. Now, I didn't like that idea. And I think it's wrong because I said, look, there's another area more important and that's education. We should allow the use of CPF for education. There was a long debate and, uh, and uh, a lot of exchanges went on in the house. Then, but finally, I think they realized that, yes, we can allow the use of CPF for education. But to be fair to those who came up with the idea, we decided to convert it into a loan scheme. So you borrow money from your father's or from your parents' CPF, use for your education, and when you graduate, you pay back to your parents. So that helped many poorer Singaporeans to have a, have a good go at tertiary education. And in, in fact, recently I met a lady who introduced two of her children to me, telling me that it was because of the use of CPF that the, her two children went to the university and graduated very well. So that is something I'm quite proud about. And I'm sure Singaporeans, those who benefited from it, should actually also thank the, the people who work out that scheme. How about the policy about foreign talent? Well, that was a very, very difficult issue for me because at the time when the discussion was very, very hotly debated in the house, I felt that we were a little bit too hasty in trying to promote these foreign people from coming to Singapore. Of course, they, they say that Singapore, the jobs they're coming in, the, the, you, the, they came in to work were jobs that Singaporeans didn't want. But I think if we have a look beyond that, uh, the important area are the PMETs and all those professionals. So a lot of professionals met me and talked to me and expressed their concern about this influx of foreign talent into our workforce. So I brought it, brought the matter to the house 
And of course, there was a lot of debate and uh, I remembered I was confronted by Lee Kuan Yew and also George Yeo. I was accused of, if I think Singaporeans first, that's what I say, you must think Singaporeans first. They say that slogan will send the wrong message to the foreigners. But I say no, currently what we were doing then, we were actually sending the wrong message to the Singaporeans. I think I look at my own citizens first. I, had, I took a lot of heavy blows in the house and I was also rep reprimanded many times outside the house, but I never, never budge. We would think Singaporeans first. Is that what you believe in, despite the different opposing voices? Um, I think it's not a, I, I agree in. with you all. I think it's not we are against foreigners coming. Yeah. We welcome all the foreigners to Singapore. But I think the jobs aspect is what we are concerned. That should be a, a better work plan to give Singaporeans the first bite of any job being offered. And unless the Singaporeans really cannot, cannot do it well, then we have no choice. We let the foreigners come and uh, do the jobs. But there are very, very talented Singapore foreigners who we really welcome to Singapore. So your point is that we just have to strike a balance. That's right, we must have a balance. It must have taken a lot of courage to stand up against our late founding father, Mr. Lee. Yes, I think many, many people thought I was very brave and so on, but it's not bravery. It's doing what you should do as a member of parliament. Because so that's why we were elected. And as a member of parliament, if I know something is wrong and I fear bringing up to the leaders, then I have failed in my role as an MP. They should vote me out the next time. But fortunately, I think many saw my point of view and they do appreciate and I, well, I kept, I was voted in for six times into parliament. So maybe... You're doing something I, I, right. I, yeah, maybe <laughs> I did something right. Thank you. You had differing views on NMP. Could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think that is that one issue which I was very upset about. That was when they decided, when the House decided to bring in people who did, uh, were not voted in by the people. I think if you want to be a member of parliament, you have to be voted in by the voters, by Singaporeans. Then you can have that backing, that strength, because many people voted you in. You didn't come in by the back door. So when they made this proposal of allowing those people who are not elected to come in, I thought there was a backdoor entry into our parliament. So I did not support the motion. In fact, I voted against the motion and I really upset my party. But I felt that as a, as a responsible MP and uh, I, f I think it is important that those people who want to come to the parliament and speak on subjects should have, should have the backing of Singaporeans not just on a particular aspect of the of, uh, of Singapore's lifestyle. For example, you get people who are coming in and speak on their hobby horse subjects, which is, I, I can't understand how those who are, how they could be given a seat to go to the house and talk on something which it's, uh, 
they have got no 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 backing from the from the people. They were they were not elected in. I think in one particular instance, I was very upset was when the labor movement actually nominated two people into the house. So I was very upset. Look, you got labor MPs here. They were all fully elected. Why do you need nominated uh, members of parliament to represent the labor movement? And I thought they were abdicating their role as a labor MPs to all these nominated members of parliament representing the labor movement. I will be. A sh- I will. I'm, I, I feel very, very upset by that sort of arrangement. Mm-hmm. So I voted against it. I am no regretted. Maybe for the benefit of our online friends, could you share with us um, what may be the difference between an NMP and an NCMP? Oh, I see. yeah, that's a good question. Nominated MP that means you don't go through an election. Your names are being submitted by your various sectors of the society and they will be uh, to a particular committee and this committee will then decide on whether you qualify to represent that particular sector. So this is sectarian representation, which I never agree. This sectarian representation, it's wrong because you only cater to a particular sector of the society. Okay, but in an NCMP, you have fought the election. You lost it. And there is legitimacy for you to go to the house. But there are restrictions being a nominee, an NCMP, because uh, you have no constituency to, to represent. But uh, of late, I heard that they have made changes to the in parliament to allow them to have more rights, more voting rights. So apparently now they can vote on many, many matters. Even the, in, the, in the past, NCMPs were, had certain restrictions being just NCMPs. But now I think it's, a, it's much better now. But it, 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 they, it is quite okay for them to go in because they fought an election and they were the top losers. And during this uh, most recent election, um, there were two NCMPs that were yes. nominated. Could you tell us more about that? Yes, uh, in the in this last general election, the West Coast constituency was contested very heavily, and we lost by a very marginal vote. And uh, so we were given the option to go and uh, select two among the five representatives in the West Coast constituency to take up these two posts. Available, You see, there are 12 NCMP seats in the House. This is fixed. Now, the Workers' Party won 10 seats. So when you win 10 seats, that means out of the 12, 10 actually has been taken because uh, they are headed from the opposition. So, so in this current GE, only two places are left to become NCMP. So we decided to, okay, take it up and see that our presence in the House would be beneficial to Singaporeans, especially on the West Coast Division, to actually reveal their competency and also what they hope to do when they're in the House. Maybe you could, you could share with us why you chose um, the two NCMPs that you, ch- you have chosen? Well, the two NCMPs are very qualified people. Both of them are scholars and uh, both of them have got very expert in their field. 
One is an economist and a corporate man. He has run big companies. And the other one, she has worked in the past, Hazel. She has worked in the past in the government departments and in the various ministries, especially, I think, finance and prime minister's office too. So she should be very qualified to, to take up that post as an NCMP. Could you mention um, who are they again for the benefit uh, of our online friends? Okay. Uh, we have two, two people there, two, two, two NCMP. One is Leong Man Wai. Uh, Leong Man Wai is a corporate man. He had his, had his education. He, he went on the government scholarship and he studied in the top university in Japan. So actually he can also speak Japanese and he should be an asset when he goes to the house because his, his knowledge on the economy of Singapore is quite in-depth. Then we have Hazel. Hazel is, she's a mathematician. Um, she graduated with the first class honours in Cambridge, from Cambridge University. Worked in the Prime Minister's Department and also worked in the Ministry of Finance before she ventured out on her own to start her own educational business. Of course, she told me that when she first started, she went through a lot of, uh, a lot of problems, but that's good because now she realised that being in the government and being in the private sector are two different areas of work. So I think she will be an asset when she goes into parliament. What do you think it takes to be a good MP? I think to be a good MP, you must be what you are. You must think of the people first. Because if you think of the people first, I think your, your trend of thought will always focus on what the people's needs are. And um, that will formulate all your, all your ideas and also your concerns about the people. To me, that is very fundamental, very important. Of course, uh, education is important. We must have some feel and understanding of what's happening. So if you have a better education, maybe you can have a better grasp of all the issues. But having said that, I think that one of the most important assets I feel that your heart must be in the right place. If your heart is not in the right place and you're thinking of coming into the political arena because there's a lot of money to be made, then I'm a bit worried. I believe there's no money politics in Singapore, but there's money in politics in our Singapore setup. So you see all the pays of all ministers and all the office holders are way, way high compared to many other countries of a similar population size and also lesser people to manage. So I think you have to be more, be, when you come into the political arena, if you are just thinking and hoping that you get a position and make it like a, just like a career, I'm not so sure whether you're going to enjoy your stint as, a, as an MP. Because MP really must feel for the people, you must really understand the people. And uh, then when you work, you actually you serve them. You become, you, you serve the people. That to me is one of those qualities of, the, of an MP, not money. Money must never be uppermost in your mind when you come into, into the political arena. Thank you for sharing that. I think this is very valuable insight for those who want yes, to be an MP that, in that future. Yes, I think that's very important. Mm. So, okay, Doc, it's now time for some Q&As. 
Thank you, online friends, for asking us your questions on Instagram. Okay, I have two questions here. One is from Woke for TCB. Yes, TCB. That's my initials. Okay. And the question is, do you miss being in Parliament? Well, I served 26 in the House and I, when I left Parliament, I honestly thought that I would not want to go back to the House already, having enjoyed 26 years of good life in Parliament. But the reason why I decided to come back is because I felt that there was a little bit, my former party has gone astray a bit, although they accused me of going astray, but I think it's the other way around. There are certain areas which I felt that they should really uh, be more aware and that's in the field of accountability, in the field of transparency and also the independence of selection of our top civil servants. So there must be no... I'm very, very concerned about this related party appointments uh, in positions that could actually I, I worry there's a conflict of interest. There's a better word to use. It's a conflict of interest. So let's make all these divisions clear. And if all these divisions clear, I think Singapore will be a much, much better place. The government has done a fairly good job, but I think in this field, I am very, very disappointed. Hmm. Oh, by the way, there's another question. Oh, this work has two questions. Work for TCB. What is your biggest takeaway from your time as an MP? I think I did answer that question. It was part of the answers I gave just now. But anyway, it's worth repeating. I think be yourself and also your main theme will be you're going there to serve the people. That's very important. Service before self. Okay, there's a final question here. It's Yu Ji Ho. And what's the question? The question, what was the key driving force in your quest to want the best for Singaporeans and to never give up fighting for them? I actually did answer part of this question in that short interview I gave. You see, if you see something wrong, you cannot, you cannot just run away from it. And if you really feel that something is wrong, you must correct it. Because uh, if you don't, actually you'll be perpetuating a wrong. Maybe I could give you an example of what I mean. I remember when I was an MP, there was a constituent who came to see me and she said, I won't vote for you. I said, why? He said, because you never helped me when I came to see you for a traffic offence. Then I said, what's your traffic offence? Oh, you beat the red light. And you thought you, you should be excused because you were not. You, you have your reasons for doing that. But I said, no, it's an offence. And I think I will not support your case. And if you want to vote against me, I will encourage you to vote against me because I'm not that the MP is going to support a wrong. And if that wrong, if I were to say, write to traffic department and persuade them to let you off, what kind of MP am I? I am actually perpetuating your wrong. And that to me is not right. So don't vote for me, I told her. But having said that, I think when she went back, she, she heard what I said and she came back to my meet a people's session. And she did apologize to me because she said that I made her see something which she never thought 
was was that she never thought she could she should look at it that particular way that I'm actually helping her to encourage her wrong. So these are some of the things. There are many other other uh, uh, things that an MP should do. Be yourself. Be honest. You cannot. If somebody did something wrong, you must tell her, tell them. But if they have some big problem, for example, I remembered when I was in the early days when land reclamation, uh, when when it had to be resettled, and there were issues that were not settled properly. And they came to see me, especially on the value of the resettlement. And I knew some of the calculations were wrong. I would get my men to really go through the whole, whole, whole resettlement uh, uh, bill. And many a times, we really helped them. Because really, they, they, they deserve it. They were, not, they were ignorant, but they knew something was wrong. And I knew something was wrong. And if I didn't take it up, I'm actually not fair for them. So they're very grateful to me for that. So these are some of the examples. Thank you so much for sharing uh, not just your life, but all your little contribution, be it in big ways or in small ways to the people. I'm sure you have impacted many lives and especially for those hearing you now, we have a better understanding of what you really stand for and what are some of the principles that you live by. We've come to the end of this episode, but we look forward to hearing more from you in the next. Thank you. I hope I've shared some of my parliamentary experience with you. There are many, many more, but I think in this short time, it's not possible to tell you everything. Perhaps uh, as we go along, we will be able to give you more. Some of my thought, my thinking and some of my experience, not only in the field of uh, medicine, parliament, but also in the field of corporate life later on. This has been the second episode of the Tan Cheng Bok Podcast. We'll be back for more in the next episode, but do remember to send in your questions through Instagram or through email at ask at Before we go, Doc, tell us your parting message. Okay, remember online friends, no bad language. Let us enjoy these episodes. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.